Welcome to Antimatterpod, a Star Trek podcast where we discuss fashion, feminism, subtext and subspace, hosted by Annika and Liz. Today we're discussing our favourite romantic relationships in Star Trek, because this is, above everything else, a shipper podcast. (laughs) Subtext, baby! Subtext! Also, I think this episode you said comes out on or around Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. On my end, it is actually Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Or Galentine's Day. Or anti-Valentine's Day. (laughs) Whatever you're celebrating, we are here for you. I think that means it comes out on the 15th in Australia, so happy cheap chocolate day, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) So you've created a structure which i appreciate annika what was your first star trek otp so i'm pretty sure it was beverly crusher and jean-luc picard same that's the one i have the earliest memories of i wrote a lot of beverly crusher fanfic like i wrote about beverly crusher when she was 11 like me oh beverly crusher when she went to starfleet academy and when she decided to become a doctor and all of these you know very sweet mm-hmm. i am beverly crusher and i'm gonna make her have all of my feelings <laughs> fan fiction and included in that were Beverly Crusher is clearly in love with Jean-Luc Picard and they belong together. Obviously. And I, you know, assigned them songs. It was very middle school level. <laughs> but, but I was all in and I have never published any of that. I've mm-hmm. never shared any of that. Some of it is still in a little box. Oh my gosh. And because... It's actually very sweet and darling, and maybe I will, like, post a few uh, (laughs) notebook pages or something just so people can see little me and my obsessions. But it was definitely not at the level of, like, I am proud of this. (laughs) You are a child. You should be proud of yourself just for writing anything. (laughs) I was a Picard crusher shipper around the same age. I started writing a Star Trek novel, air quotes, because I didn't know that fan fiction existed, where a beautiful ambassador, in addition to resolving a war between two factions on a moon, also helped bridge the gap that had formed between Beverly and Picard after the events of the first duty. So Wonderful. That that was my OTP fic and my Mary Sue out of the way in one. The restrictions on my driver's license, because I'm a new driver, mean that I can't stream music in the car. I've been buying a lot of CDs and I bought the best of album of Wendy Matthews, who was like my favourite singer-songwriter at this time. And I was listening to it going, every single song here is a Picard Crusher song in my heart. Why was I, a fairly normal 11-year-old, so into this melancholy 30-something easy listening about failed relationships? (laughs) Okay, so the musical, Jekyll and Hyde. Yes. And what was the other one? And the musical, The Scarlet Pimpernel. (laughs) Both came out around the same time. And I had the concept albums for these. Like, so before they actually went to London or Broadway. It was just the concept album of the Scarlet Pimpernel and Jekyll and Hyde. Mm. And I assigned 
90% of those songs <laughs> to Star Trek. Yes. And mainly to Beverly and Picard. You know, Beverly is such a theatre person, I think she'd really appreciate that. I was like, this is all secretly about the next generation. <laughs> As we're promoting this episode, we should post, like, YouTube links for the songs that we had for our OTPs. Yes. On our social media. Absolutely. We will do that. And everyone will be like, what was wrong with these preteen <laughs> children? <laughs> so much. So much. <laughs> but also you will find there was probably a lot wrong with me as a teen and as an adult. So... Exactly. (laughs) What's your most recent Star Trek OTP? So it's definitely Dahl and Gwyn. Yes. In in Prodigy. Mm. Beverly and Picard don't have a cute little OTP name. It's like Crusher Picard. They're adults. They're they're beyond that sort of thing. I have them for other adults. (laughs) but, But my cute little... You know, OTP tag for Dahl and Gwindala is OTP cat boots. <laughs> and I love that for them. It's really a perfect encapsulation of their relationship because it is built on in-jokes and understanding past what is being said mm-hmm. and what is being presented and understanding what's beneath that it is and it is also just you know cahoots is like hijinks and and fun and just youthful exuberance so i i just love my otp cat boots i love that i think i have different definitions of of otp and and shipping like there are characters that i really really want to get together like gwyn and dal but I don't necessarily think about them a lot in between Mm. episodes, whereas Cornwell and Lorca have sort of been living in my head since 2017. Honestly, they either need to get out or start paying rent. But (laughs) I guess in terms of pairings that I've written fic for, that's my most recent. I'm going to bounce off of that and say also that I have to mention... Mm. Spock and Chapel in Strange New Worlds <laughs> because I know that both <laughs> of those characters have been around for 50-something years <laughs> because they were introduced in the original series. However, I, I hated their relationship yeah. in the original <laughs> series. I was fully against the whole romance mm. and the whole relationship between them and it's not entirely fair because I recently rewatched A Mock Time and I have to say, Buck and Christine actually have a really nice scene. It was my memory mm. of the beginning of that episode that ruined the rest for me. But that said, the Jess Bush and Ethan Peck version of these characters, mm. I am fully, like, intensely invested in their relationship and the fact that it is doomed actually makes it better for me (laughs) is it doomed because we have the whole movie era and we know that christine like becomes a doctor and is still around and is still part of their lives 
They could Spock and Chapel were secretly married the whole time. That's what I was about to say. <laughs> That's exactly what I was about to say. And you know, I am all about the Spock and T'Pring getting married after his death and resurrection. But there is plenty of room for him to also marry Christine right. and have a completely amicable and friendly and respectful divorce. Or a full relationship and she's human so she dies. I didn't even think of that, to be honest. <laughs> so so yeah. all, all works yeah. out. Anything is fine. Or the Spock to preen Christine Thrupple. Like, so many ways. I really feel like the whole movie era is enriched by Strange New Worlds. Absolutely. Everything Christine Chapel is enriched by Christine Chapel and Strange New Worlds. And that's not a slight on Majel Barra. It is not her fault. No, <laughs> no. It is the writing. They finally turned Christine Chapel into a full character. And she can only go up from here because I loved her in the first season. And pretty much 90% of what she did was be Spock's girl. Yeah. So, so they could do even more. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a favorite Star Trek rare pair? Okay. So it is Jean-Luc Picard and Ro Laren. Oh, that is a good one. <laughs> that is that is my my like indulgent guilty pleasure Star Trek rare pair. I mean, that, that is I just... problematic as shit and I love Absolutely. it. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's no reality where it would be appropriate really <laughs> like you know they're both adults and oh, people oh, can do oh. what they want to do mm-hmm. however there are so many different layers of power mm. unbalance i actually think that there would be less imbalance in the mirror universe where obviously there's the age gap but as a bajoran ro has her own power oh you're right in the mirror universe the bajorans are because I was like, ew, she's his captain's woman, ew. But, but in this era, mm, in the TNG mm. DS9 era, the humans have been picked out. <laughs> so Overthrown. So he would be the captain's man. Yeah, yeah. That is an interesting concept. Or some kind of complex, he's fighting an evil rebellion against this evil empire, and she is chasing him down, but also they're sort of into each other. Like... And also, like, she could be sort of not really fully on board with Kira's mm. machinations because yeah. Ro is a rebel. And in, so... In any universe. In any universe. Yeah. <laughs> Ro could be one of the few people in that universe going, maybe there's a whole different way to exist that doesn't depend <laughs> on exploitation <laughs> and cruelty. <laughs> what? <laughs> I know, crazy talk. Yeah. <laughs> So what's your Star Trek rare pair? Mine is canonical. It's Janeway Kashik from the Season 5 Voyager episode Counterpoint. When mailing lists were a thing and when I was a new baby fan, I was part of the Janeway Kashik mailing list. I actually started out writing Kess Kashik because his people's whole deal is that they're terrified of telepaths. So I wrote like an encounter in an interrogation between Kess and Kashik where she turns the tables and flees non-corporeally. So maybe that's my rare pair. But there were enough shippers and enough Janeway Kashik fic that I'm almost hesitant to call it a rare pair. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> I think it still counts. No, no, I think at this Because point, there are giants. Yeah. Like, even Cornwell Lorca counts as a rare pair by some right, right. standards. And, and, you know, there was, like... 
Kashik captures Janeway and has his way with her. But there was also a lot of Kashik was for real in his turn away from fascism. And then he and Janeway have this relationship. And looking back, it's sort of my first encounter with the my vagina can stop you from being a fascist <laughs> fantasy. So beloved of fans. <laughs> it's the I can fix him. I can fix him. But also in this AU, he has basically taken the steps to fix himself. And they were always really cool scenarios because Janeway has a partner who is her equal, who is outside of the command structure. And he has a fraught relationship with Chakotay. And he's like the tactical devil on Janeway's shoulder. I love it. I did a pixie ships for them mm. and it was like he shows up and he says that he's he's changed and you know she puts him in the brig for like years <laughs> she <wouldn't laughs> and he has to prove himself. So I really love the idea of either the, the anti-hero Kashik or the redeemed Kashik are mm. both very fun concepts to play with and Kate Mulgrew has mm. chemistry with everyone which means Janeway has chemistry with everyone and I devoted my entire webpage to that <laughs> but that episode is so well paced yes I think is the magic of it that we really get to see them build this relationship mm. and it's heartbreaking that it's all mm. you know wiped away that he end. was lying all along. Yeah. That he was lying all along. And that she knew. The real heartbreaking part is that she she wasn't drawn in by it. <laughs> and so she always had that I can't trust anybody, which I think is very like that's a, a key component to a Janeway relationship is I can't trust this or I can't trust mm. the relationship because of all her hang ups and the way that the series is written yeah no that's a really good point it's just like shipping aside it is a beautifully written episode michael taylor went on to work on battlestar galactica which i think was a really good fit for him and anytime i see his name pop up in the credits of something i watch i go oh it's the counterpoint man same with mark harrelick the actor who played kashik like i love following yes. their careers in a low-key yes. passive way i don't know if it counts as a rare pair but do you need a moment to talk about janeway paris I hope that's not a rare pair. <laughs> it certainly wasn't back in the day. On my little list, I put them actually under first Star Trek OTP because even though mm. Picard and Crusher were absolutely my first, Janeway and Paris were the first where I actually interacted with other fans yeah. and did post my fan fiction. And so they're sort of my first as well in that way. And they are absolutely rare in comparison to... Janeway Chakotay, mm. Paris Torres, Janeway Seven, like Paris Kim. Like <laughs> there are many, many iterations that are ahead of them. So in that way, they are a rare pair, but I didn't think of them as a rare pair because there was an entire community. I mean, apparently there was an entire community to Janeway Cash. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that I did not know about, but Jupiter Station and mm. that community we were always sharing each other's fic and we had awards and we had recommendation fridays and whatever and all these different things that we did together and so it didn't feel like i you're the only other person i know who puts up with picard row so, 
So that's what I think of when yeah, I think rare yeah. pair. As like people look at me like I am speaking a different language when I bring it up. And yeah. I, I mean, it's it's funny to me because in, in recent times, I've seen a lot on Tumblr, people who have watched Voyager like post Orange is the New Black, that cohort of people, they don't like Tom Paris. And you I've know, that's, that's fair because early Tom Paris is- The worst. The worst. And he's course correct, mm. sort of like late second season, early third season. And, you know, is still sort of like all the way through the series, he's probably the least woke <laughs> character. I'm like, I don't know how to say this, but at least modern. But I even loved cocky jerk, mm. horrible Tom Paris. I mean, again, I was a child. I was a teen. I didn't know any better. It was the 90s. <laughs> Like, no, no. No one I was think... telling me that I shouldn't, that I shouldn't, like, look for that in a minute. <laughs> so, so I didn't see it. I didn't know. And then the thing is that what I wrote, I wrote him being fully in love with Janeway and Janeway not being fully mm. in love with him, either not even having a relationship with him or being reluctant to have the relationship or feeling badly <laughs> about mm. the relationship like he was the girl in the situation yeah, in 90s yeah. in 90s terms if you know what i mean and so i don't know like I, I i now feel like that it is not only rare it is sort of looked down upon i read an essay recently about thresholds that started with the premise that there was never any sexual tension between Paris and Janeway and I was like what from the very first scene he is inappropriately flirting with her yes there is so much sexual tension there like it wasn't my OTP but I certainly read Janeway Paris fic and I remember I think it was Monkey had a whole series where Janeway Chakotay and Paris sort of fall into a thruple situation because they realize that no other configuration of their relationships works it is definitely there from caretaker. It sort of takes a back seat once he's actually in a committed relationship with Bellana and fair, like <laughs> that's appropriate. But they are openly flirting on the bridge, still in like in Pathfinder. Yeah. Like, yeah. sorry, <laughs> it's still there. Mm. So, I, you know, they have a special relationship as, <laughs> as I would put it. And even if it is not fully sexual or romantic it's definitely flirtatious it's like blatantly flirtatious yeah i feel like in modern parlance she's his work wife yes exactly mm. and i'm okay with that i don't have the issues with the power dynamics that that essay had <laughs> they're not actually that far apart in age and if they met it as children, which they didn't in canon, but apparently they did in beta canon. And in many of my fanfics, to be honest. <laughs> Not necessarily a point against it for you. He's a kid and is a kind kid to her when she is a troubled teen and young adult. And then they have a relationship when they meet again as adults. And I don't think that's bad and i also do not care what his father thinks about it like i mean honestly sorry. if his father is unhappy <laughs> that's a bonus for me exactly like let's make admiral paris as uncomfortable as possible yes 
I'm so into that. Admiral Paris, Profound Discomfort is my OTP. I think my favourite hit, like you, this is sort of my secondary OTP that I think of also as my first OTP, is Janeway Chakotay. Mm -hmm. I know I shouldn't, but I still ship them. And I love their interactions in the early seasons and even in the later seasons when they are allegedly no longer a viable pairing in the eyes of the writers and Robert Beltran, there is still so much love and concern between them whenever they interact that it's really a joy to watch. And I love that he supports her right up until she's out to commit a war crime. I respect his ability to set a boundary, even if it's like a way, way out boundary. So speaking of war crimes. Yes. This is where I put Gabriel Lorca and <laughs> who also get a cute name. They are OTP Perseids. Oh, I like that. And uh, I was shipping them from introduction. Before Lethe came out, I was like, Exus. <laughs> That that happened. <laughs> and I have proof. I have dated proof. So You didn't know me at the time, but I was following you on Tumblr and Choose Your Pain came out and you were like, Oh my god, they were totally exes. And I was already in the phase of I love this lady and her hair, but that was when I went, Oh, maybe they're exes and then Lethe came out and I was like, Yes, Annika was right. I need to be her friend. <laughs> And the rest is history. <laughs> and here we are. But so, you know, talk about people I have written a lot for. They, I, you know, until she was blown up and it sort of, what is it? The word harshed my... Harshed your squee. squee. Harshed my squee. I was writing a lot of them in different universes. The first thing I, I put up was all the different ways they could have met. Mm, I remember. So it's like, I don't know, seven chapters, and each chapter is a different version of their first meeting. And I feel like I could have been doing that forever <laughs> if, if they hadn't blown her up and ruined everything. So, you know, I didn't mind when he was lost because there was that possibility yeah. of him coming back. But now I don't care if he ever comes back because the only reason <laughs> that I wanted him to come back was blown up. Yeah, it's sort of... You know, I really enjoyed Lorca as a character. I cared a lot about for the character that I thought he was. And I care a lot about for the version of Prime Lorca that exists in my head. But mm -hmm. without Cat, I just... It feels unbalanced. Mm -hmm. And I promise you that if he comes back in canon, I will be there writing the fic where somehow Cat is alive. Like, apparently the denial just goes on for years and years <laughs> and years. Yeah, I mean, I am still... It is what that was 2019 right so yeah. it's been like four years and yet mm -hmm. i am not over this and i no, have no. not gotten back into the groove and i cannot the stories that i write about her are like in the star wars universe mm. or completely separate from canon or like just i i can't do it anymore like it it really mm ruined they i still love them and that's a that's absolutely an otp of mine but i can't make i can't contribute to it anymore mm. i've written and boasted has been in alternate universes mm. of various alternate universes 
Mm-hmm. None of which are like canon divergence, just like full on <laughs> another universe. I choose to believe, until told otherwise, that Cat was somehow rescued, possibly due to some terrible Klingon body horror situation, and now she's living a quiet life on Starbase One, just off camera. You can't see her. You just missed her. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite slash pairing? Okay, so. This was really hard for me. Yeah, I looked at it and I was like, like, "Mm, pass. So, I know this makes me a fanfiction unicorn, but Slash isn't my thing. Mm -hmm. I much prefer Het or Femme Slash, and the way to explain it is that I, myself, am a woman, Mm -hmm. and I want to write and read about women. Yeah. So... So I just am not into two men in a relationship without any women involved. Yeah, I, same. I was like, maybe I should find out what I've what I've written and what I've bookmarked. So I've bookmarked nothing. <laughs> the only bookmark that came up was a Kirk and McCoy fic that is a retelling of Gossip Girl. <laughs> Go on. Where Kirk is Serena Vanderwoodson. <laughs> I'm sorry. Vander Woodson and McCoy is Dan Humphrey. <laughs> McCoy is that. So that that happened. Mm-hmm. And I, the only things I've written that came up tagged with Star Trek is a Garrick and Morn <laughs> flashback I wrote. For a exchange once, and uh, Alexander Dane and Jason Nesbitt <laughs> from Galaxy Quest, which counts. It totally counts. Mm. So I guess that's Kirk and Spock on the slant, but that's it. <laughs> we will have to be fandom unicorns together because I have been racking my brains for a few days, and I cannot come up with a single slash pairing that I'm into. I feel like I could be into Tuvok Chakotay, but there's not a lot there. I've done a bunch of pixie ships for various ones, and I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed writing the little scenario, Mm. but I never had the desire to write the fic, and I don't really care. It was just like, oh, this is fun. Let's think about this. Like, the the Data and Geordi one is very sweet. (laughs) So, and you know, Data Mm. and Geordi as a concept are very sweet. But it's like we know that Jordy has an actual wife mm. and children, and I like don't want to take that away from Levar Burton by being like David and Jordy are my are my favorite slash pairing. I don't think it impacts the actor, and certainly there are lots of years where Jordy is single and ready to mingle. But yeah, none of them, I, I, I just think relationships where no women are involved are, in fiction, not interesting to me. <laughs> I had canon Lorca as bisexual, and I had had canon Discovery Pike as bi. I could still go there, but like Pike Leland had really great chemistry, but mm, yeah, um, true. Strange New World seems very, very determined to push a heterosexual agenda. And I should be and, into that, and but Leland I'm not. also blew up. So also blew up. Yeah. Okay. I like het, but I don't want it to be heteronormative. That's very fair. 
What's your fem slash OTP right. This will be an easier One, question two, to answer. Three, four, five. So I have five. Okay, cool. <laughs> Oh, no, wait, I have six. <laughs> There's two on one line. I have six. So I'm going to start with the rare pair of Lenara Khan and Jadzia decks. Because How is that I just a wanna, rare pair? That's I want to put it out there. I know it's canon, but they're only in that one episode. Mm. And this is why I wanted to bring it up, is that I am very vocal about, like, that doesn't count. And so I just I just wanted to acknowledge that, of course, as a relationship, it fully counts. Right. And... They're also wonderful. I love their whole thing. It is very tragic and, and horrible, but they're so pretty and they cry very lovely. And <laughs> it's all, you can imagine every single thing that happened off screen and it's beautiful. What amazed me about Rejoined was that it came from a weird alternate universe where Star Trek is not homophobic, but their relationship and their chemistry was so fully fledged. It was like Lenara had been a character all along. And so I can definitely, like, I don't think of it as a rare pair because I think I follow a lot of people who ship it really, really hard. But like you and Janeway Paris, I think that's just the niche I've fallen into. I, I think they're a really good pairing. Keep going down your list. Okay. <laughs> so, and the, the others are all kind of variations on the same different people mm. so i have raffi in seven mm. and balana in seven <laughs> so like depending on what where in the timeline mm -hmm. <laughs> you want to be i am fully on board with sapphic seven but also balana seska so this is the one that was doing balana seska and balana seven were on a line together which is why i initially miscounted mm -hmm. because balana seska is like very important to me <laughs> they're clearly very close and that can absolutely be a platonic friendship sure but also you can ship it but also you can ship it and i absolutely do and i get really really sad for balana because she does get to have a relationship with janeway but mm. it is there it's more of a mentor mentee relationship than peers yeah and then she doesn't really get to have that appear relationship with Kess or Seven. She gets more of it with Seven in that they actually interact. Yes. And talk and discuss their relationship. And they do have sort of a bond of some kind. Mm. But that also feels unbalanced and almost like Balana is the mentor in that situation. Yeah. Which makes so, sense and is a nice progression for her. And it's cool to have a, a mentor relationship that's actually quite combative. They butt heads and disagree yes. a lot. And Balana is not trying to be particularly understanding. But at the same time, I think she's a great support for Seven. Mm -hmm. But is Seven a great support for Balana? Right. I feel badly that Balana lost that relationship with Seska, even though in reality that relationship never really existed. No, but nothing came to take its place. And then the others are Nyota Uhura and Tepring. Yes. And Christine Chappell and Tepring. <laughs> <laughs> you know, frankly, Nyota and Christine can also. That's fine. Yeah. That's good. And if they want to all get together and have a little pile, that's good too. <laughs> I support this. But Uhura and Tepring have long been, since TOS, they've been one of those pairings that sort of bubbles under the surface yeah, with yeah. people. And it is very, people can be very creative with what they do for that 
chip and I appreciate it. So, you know, shout out to them. And as for Chapel, I love like, you know, at the end of a strange world, when, when Spock was at the end of that horrible episode, <laughs> when Spock was, you know, damaged for life or whatever, and Christine was crying about him, I imagined, and, you know, maybe someday I will write it down a continuation of that future mm. where to bring and chapel sort of take care of spock mm. and take spock's place yes in, and you know do all the things that spock would have done if he wasn't permanently disabled yeah although i still maintain spock would have been fine doing it himself <laughs> too you know, maybe instead of the Great Vulcan theory of history, mm. it would have been two Great Vulcans and a human. I can see T'Pring leading the reunification efforts on Romulus. I am so, so down for that. The possibilities are there, and so I, I like that future where they're like interact in this really interesting way where they take on different roles, yeah. but are still the same characters. Yeah. So. That's sort of the joy of the, the canon divergent AU. So my original fem slash OTP was J7, Janeway 7. That was the first one I read. And at first I was like, mm, I don't think you're allowed to do that. And then I went back and read it again like three times. And I was like, maybe I ship it. And then like that was the first fem slash I wrote. And I was always more on the Janeway Chakotay end, but I was also in a crowd of writers who wrote a little bit of everything. And looking back, like rewatching as an adult, I am less into Janeway 7 because the power dynamic really does... It's not as appealing as it was when I was younger. 7 seems much, much younger than she did when I was 16, somehow. But I still think that they had amazing chemistry and I would be open to shipping it in the Picard era, put it that way. Yes, I had a similar experience mm. where, I think I've told this story once before, where I was tasked to write a Seven Kim story, and when I turned it in, the moderator was like, this is a Janeway Seven story. I remember you've told this story, yes. <laughs> you need to rewrite this. Oops. So, so that's how, it was like, subconsciously i was still shipping it even when i was trying not to mm. but at the time i really super related to to seven mm. and i looked up to janeway and again kate Mulgrew has chemistry with everyone so she's just super attractive right and i was like i'd be okay yeah. <laughs> being in this relationship so I didn't think of it. But again, just as like I, I didn't think of Paris being problematic in any way, it didn't occur to me at that moment in my life mm. and the society that I was surrounded by that it was wrong. And the older I've gotten, <laughs> the more I've been like, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Like, <laughs> that, was, that was wrong. Seven is in an even more precarious situation than Tom Paris. And yet, like, I think it's actually really good to have a problematic OTP as a teenager to explore those feelings and those ideas that are not appropriate to explore in your real relationships and to sort of get it out of your system. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. 
and my other fem slash OTP has an equally terrible power imbalance, but I'm also really into that, and that is Admiral Cornwell and Michael Burnham, which is almost almost the same scenario, except Michael has actually had a childhood. Just a really traumatic one. But also, like, Michael is literally a prisoner when they meet. Right. But, like, take it from the end of season one, and Michael is reinstated, she has her own authority again, and also they're not in each other's pockets all the time. Kat is not the only person with authority over Michael. They're part of a big fleet. They are not together constantly. So like that bit in The War Without, The War Within, where Michael comes to Kat's quarters in the middle of the night, and Kat's face does not say, let's talk strategy. I'm sorry. And she's wearing her black tank top, her mm. her skin tight black tank top, and behind her is like a you know half of a whiskey bottle. Lorca's whiskey bottle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like hmm. that conversation goes a lot of ways in my head before we get right. to the hey, I have an idea for how to weaken the Klingons, and I think before Cat blew up and before Michael went to the future, I don't think they were ever really like a couple or anything that would be wildly inappropriate but that stage around the late war and the beginning of the peace period I have written fic where they hooked up and set very firm boundaries about professionalism and so forth I'm into a boundary now and then and yeah once again I'm sorry that they'll never ever be together again I'm super into relationships that are, are very problematic and then they have a conversation about boundaries and yeah. like consent and all of those things like that that's like you know a kink mm. or whatever yeah. <laughs> yeah because i love a problematic ship but i like to think about how they can actually have a relationship yeah and have it not be problematic and be, or or like <laughs> The characters acknowledge that it's problematic and then do something else. Yeah, because most Star Trek characters, with the exception of Wesley and Jake and the Prodigy Kids, are adults and they're going to Mm -hmm. behave like adults. And so I still, I don't think there's any way I can ship J7 on Voyager, but post-Voyager, even long post-Voyager in the Picard era, totally, I can totally see them having that conversation. And finding a way to make it work. The fact that Janeway seems to be hung up on Seven's ex-boyfriend is by the by. They just have agreed as a collective to never speak of that. <laughs> Let's not bring it up. Never. Over the dinner table. <laughs> you know, you wrote I mean, that fic where everyone goes to Janeway's house for Christmas yes. and I was like, I hope Chakotay is there. He wasn't, but still. <laughs> So by multi, do you mean favorite multi? Do you mean OT threes? Yes. Quads. Right. Yep. Polyamorous yeah. relationships. Yeah. You go. So I will start by saying that I like to headcanon all Vulcans as totally accepting mm-hmm. of polyamory because it only makes sense. Yes. For their particular culture. It's logical. And also, I, I like to make the 
extremely conservative and at least on screen heteronormative Vulcan culture as queer as possible. Yes. In my head. Mm-hmm. My main OT3 is definitely Kirk, Spock, and Uhura, but in the Kelvinverse, not in the Prime universe. Oh, that makes sense. In Kelvinverse, I am a huge shipper of Spock and Uhura. We all know this. Mm-hmm. And I fully believe that Kirk is in love with Spock particularly after he meets old Spock. Yes. And gets all of old Spock's memories. (laughs) And is like, well, I sure had a real relationship with this guy in another universe. (laughs) Maybe he's not the devil. Maybe we can have that here too. I also, I I super headcanon Kelvin Kirk as very lonely. Yeah. And unable to have a relationship of any depth. And so having all of old Spock's memories thrust upon him gives him this idea that maybe that's where he should be looking. And also that Spock and Uhura have such a adorable and stable and they have the relationship that he wants. Yeah. And so I, I love, and I've written a couple fics about this where, you know, basically Spock and Uhura invite him in (laughs) and say there's absolutely no reason for you not to be part of Mm, our relationship. mm. We've been watching you from across the rec room and we really like your vibe. Kirk and Uhura can have a very sibling vibe in that series but it's because of their relationship with Spock and so it doesn't have to be siblings. And also, like, well, I'll be honest. <laughs> I'm okay with, like, super close best friends mm-hmm. who are basically family and he still, you know, get it on every now and then. Because... Yeah, yeah. I, I've already mentioned it, but Janeway Chakotay Paris was my first OT3. And these days I'm really into Janeway 2 Voctopel because, like you say, Vulcan polyamory is only logical. And... I know we started that idea because we were shipping Sarek, Amanda, Cat, and obviously I ship that. But obviously, Janeway and Tuvok, I think, is really, as an adult, my favorite relationship. Certainly, my favorite underrated relationship of Voyager. And Tapel seems like a cool lady. I bet she'd be, you know, I bet she also cares for Janeway. I fully agree mm-hmm. with everything you just said. Yeah. I love Janeway and Tuvok, and they're almost harder to talk about because they just seem so obvious. Yeah. And so adult. Like, mm. they don't have to have that conversation. They just know. Yeah. <laughs> they already know what they want in a relationship, and they're on the same page. Mm-hmm. And I... For a long time, it was really hard for me to care about T'Pol at all because the show doesn't care about T'Pol. Certainly at all. not. They don't even keep the same actress for her. So it took me forcing myself to actually put effort into thinking mm. about T'Pol and giving her her own rich backstory, and and then I fell in love with her and everything <laughs> that I came up with. I was like, this is great. So that should definitely be true, and. Now, I don't, you know, I, 
pre-caring about Tapel, the whole infidelity thing didn't really bug me. Mm. Because Tapel was on the other side of the galaxy and was a non-entity. Again, yeah. the show gave me no opportunity <laughs> to care about Tapel. Much like Admiral Vance and his family versus... Right, exactly. I, I ship Admiral Vance with so many people <laughs> because I can't, like, you have to give me something <laughs> to care about. Mm. They can't just be this person that's in the way of my chips. Yeah. But I did put effort, and I also put effort into, like, finding other people's headcanons about Depal mm. and, like, talking about Depal and, like, saying, hey, let's let's actually care about this person. But I, yeah, I love, I love the idea of them as a throuple or even just, like, sort of them being dedicated to making sure Janeway is happy. Yeah. And, it, yeah. and if that is like, you know, sexual satisfaction, then okay. <laughs> but also late in the series when Tuvok goes through Ponfar and is allegedly healed by hologram. No. Yeah, no. That was just a polite lie he told the doctor. Janeway right. <laughs> dealt with that situation. As is the duty of any starship captain. From Kirk That's onwards. Right. You know. <laughs> You have a Vulcan in your crew, you know you're going to do the pond far for them. That's just how it goes. Exactly. Hmm. What's your favourite crossover with other Trek? Okay, so the one that like is very important to our personal little <laughs> in Discord yes. is Philippa Georgiou and Commodore Paris. Yes! <laughs> Which are... I mean, talk about people that we have given rich lives to. <laughs> Multiple people in our Discord have put a lot of effort into making Commodore Paris a real character. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, look, she's played by Shore Agadashlu. I'm sure I said that green correctly. She's played by Christian Amasarala and is amazing in her, you know, whatever three minutes of screen time. And I loved how it opened up the Paris dynasty Yes, for us. I was so, so thrilled by her casting and her reality and just, it made Star Trek Beyond for me. Anytime they add a prominent female in a senior role, a bunch of us are like, eh? Eh? <gasps> Right, and so she is the right age to be peers with Cornwell and Giorgio and Lorca and the senior Kirks and mm. that whole cohort of people. And so we just invited her in. Right. <laughs> and, and she's most often with Giorgio, a prime mm. Giorgio. Mm. Although I, there was one, one thing I wrote where Pike, knowing that he was going to be disabled by the warp core or whatever, by the horrible radiation accident, made sure to cultivate his relationship with Paris and also introduce her to all of the other people that like his crew so that they would take care of her after because she'd already lost Giorgio and Lorca and Cornwell. And in that story, I decided that he is Owen Paris's dad. <laughs> <laughs> Look, those white bread jeans have to come from somewhere. So that was fun. That was a fun mm. thought, mm. that concept. I'm into it. I'm into it. <laughs> I have long shipped Janeway and Admiral Necheyev. 
But it occurred to me this week, and it started as a silly Tumblr poll, and now I'm trying to find a way in to actually write it, Admiral Cornwell and Admiral Nechaev. Because as we discussed in our Admiral episode many years ago, 2019 in fact, just after Kat died, <laughs> I really love Elena Nechaev. I think she gets a raw deal from fandom, and I think she is an interesting and complex lady who deserves more respect. And I feel like Kat really is the... 21st century update of that type of character who is less apologetic about wielding her power mm -hmm. and I think that would make them really interesting as a couple I just don't and, know how to write and, it the thing is that and it's partially because again changing mainstream viewpoints mm. and like that the society of the 90s and the society of whatever we are now are very different yeah. But also, the fandom embraced Kat yes. in a way that they never did Nicheyev. Yes. And it can be seen as growth. Yes. Both in the series, in portraying, in, you know, mm. showing us this character. And, I, you know, it's great. It's great if she's less apologetic and more people like her. Like, that's a glow up. But it's also, the fandom has also grown so yes. much. And obviously, there are still the worst parts of fandom. Who... I have noticed that as much as in general the fandom embraced Cornwell, the fandom has not reassessed Necheyev. She's still right. that yeah. bitch. And that's why I think that she And they is. also... There are a lot of men, I'm going to call them men, mm -hmm. who were really appalled by Admiral in in the first season of the Clancy. Admiral, Admiral Clancy. Clancy. Yeah. And she did nothing wrong <laughs> in her whole life. No, never. <laughs> just, just wanted to put that out there. There's definitely still a... I don't know if it's a learning curve or, or a bias. I guess the question is, would Kat be as popular if she had told Jean-Luc Picard to cut, le right. cut the manlier than now bullshit? Right. And I would say no, because no one is right. allowed to be mean to Picard, especially not ladies. So we're all super looking forward to season three. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what's your Within Trek crossover OTP? It's okay. Because I will also I will also mention Janeway and Beverly Crusher. Catherine yes. Janeway and Beverly Crusher, I think, is a lovely relationship that fans made up mm -hmm. that I fully support. And until now with season three, I've been fully on board with <laughs> that's what was going on <laughs> during Star Trek Picard and that's where Beverly was this whole time. We can find a way to make it work. Right. I mean the cracks started to show when they brought Janeway into Prodigy, so Yeah. It was <laughs> but there was that brief the you know, first season of Picard, they were just ignoring Beverly and Janeway. Mm. And so mm. it was my time. But that was your moment. Yes. Things have shifted, and now I guess I have to accept that Jamie Chakota is a thing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry and for you. I'm not sorry I guess for I me. also have to, to go back to my roots and embrace the, hey, maybe Beverly and Picard are actually going to get some closure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Got to be excited about that. 
gotta yes. remind myself that's what I wanted. <laughs> Do you have a crossover with another fandom, and is it the Palpatina's Ronan theory? Okay, I I am fully on board with you adding my ridiculous fanfic to the notes because no one has read it. And I actually spent a lot of energy and effort on giving multiple Howard women and one Howard man inner lives yeah, and yeah. agency and desires. Mm-hmm. And it was all because... Secretly, Chief Palpatine, former emperor of the galaxy, was actually Ronan. He was flung from a galaxy far, far away into our long, long ago and decided to haunt the closest thing he could find to a Skywalker, which was the Howard women. And one man. Probably more man. than one man, but you know. Yeah, the there was more than one man, but only one got into the story. I think what I loved about that fic was that you took a silly joke that I made and a really cracktastic pairing based on a fairly offensive episode, and you took it so seriously that it stands up on its own right. I went in expecting a funny fic, and instead I was blown away by all the layers you added. And you wrote Palpatine as respecting women more than Rick Berman. So, yikes. Because that's the, he does not respect. <laughs> My actual favorite crossover with another fandom is Star Wars, obviously. But it's Katrina Cornwell and Amlyn Holdo. Oh, of course. The blown up Vice Admiral. Why did they keep saying that? What was it about 2019? Why? <laughs> so, yes. Mm. Yeah, I love it. Mine is, I recently watched the first season of Stargate Atlantis, and all these years I have expected Elizabeth Weir to be one of my characters. And she almost is, but it's basically because she's a store brand Janeway. She's like a scientist turned diplomat and leader who is now stranded in another galaxy and wants to have relationships, but has this intense guilt plus professional boundaries and mm-hmm. so forth. The problem is that I hate every single man in the series, so I don't have an OTP for her, and she hasn't really interacted much with any women. So I think that the man for Elizabeth Weir is Chakotay. I think that is a big improvement over any of the men in Stargate Atlantis. Interesting. I think, you know, he's stranded in another universe and he's doing his best and he's like well you need support and you need someone who can crack heads but who's not going to go off doing his i'm a military man thing when you explicitly tell him not to and look you don't commit war crimes we're good you're not a cardassian we're good the best thing about chakote is that he is not a military man yeah he is fully not military He is absolutely a strategist and a tactician, but his masculinity is not bound up in that side of his life. Right. He describes himself more as a scientist, and he identifies more with the anthropology side of his career. And I think Elizabeth would really vibe with that. And I think the Atlantis mission really, really needs 
more people who are anthropologists and who can maybe ask important questions like why does every single group of humans in this galaxy speak English? The important questions. Stargate's not a good franchise. I don't understand it. <laughs> who is your Star Trek bicycle and is it Catherine Janeway? <laughs> um, okay, so obviously it is Catherine Janeway because, again, I had an entire GeoCities mm. webpage dedicated <laughs> to shipping Catherine mm. Janeway with literally everyone. Yeah. Everyone who ever showed up on Voyager got to be added to my little chart. Yep. So, yes, it is Catherine Janeway, but I have a, a handful of of others. Katrina Cornwell is the new Catherine Janeway, so she definitely gets to be on there. Because again, until she blew up, I was super into, like, let's put her into everything. And even since then, again, put her into Star Wars. <laughs> and then I have to say, based on my process for making these lists... Yes. Uh, Spock mm -hmm. and T'Pring separately mm -hmm. <laughs> and together probably but definitely separately i ship them with many people <laughs> turns out like spock i i didn't know i had so many spock ships and bizarrely like kirk and spock and mccoy and spock are, were not on the list <laughs> but spock and like everybody else <laughs> was i again i Strange New Worlds is the new Voyager in the way that I ship everyone with everyone mm. in a way that I don't in Discovery. Discovery, I have very specific ships and Strange New Worlds, it's like free for all. And then Tepring, I just love New Tepring. New Tepring is so amazing and I already loved her in TOS. Like I was already a, a yeah, Tepring yeah. truther. <laughs> you know, justice for Tepring all the time. But new to praying is so amazing that I also am willing to ship her with absolutely everything. So Vulcans for the win. She could break up with me and make me fight to the death and I wouldn't be mad. I'd be like, mm -mm. Mm, that's fair. I will I will get my Leopard and I will. Yeah. <laughs> You're uh, right. I'm not good enough for you. I'm sorry to bring. I'll do better. <laughs> <laughs> my Star Trek bicycle is Catherine Janeway. <laughs> <laughs> And like, yes, the entire Voyager crew, even Neelix, I have written Janeway Neelix. It was a Drabble. I think it was my first Drabble because they were new at the time. I am very old. Uh, have but... you written Janeway Doctor? Okay, no. I've written oh, everything okay. but that. I did write <laughs> Janeway okay. Doctor. I don't think it's one I ever posted anywhere. But after that whole Michael Sullivan nonsense, mm. I was like, no. No. Let me tell you about the correct hologram. <laughs> Look, that's fair. That's only fair. I also ship her with Picard. Janeway Picard has long been a low-key OTP of mine. Janeway Riker. Janeway Beverly, as you said. I don't really know about Data. She doesn't seem his type. He doesn't really mm -hmm. seem hers. I think they'd just be buddies. Definitely not Geordie. No offence to Geordie. 100% Janeway would date Worf. Like, there isn't say, even a question in my mind. I am super into Janeway War. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I feel a little bad about it, but also, that's hot. <laughs> my other <laughs> fandom bicycle is, of course, Katrina Cornwell. And for a couple of years, I have been noodling at a scenario where she winds up on the Enterprise D 
to, you know, something, something, time travel, explosion, whatever. And she's like, <laughs> oh shit, there's a Klingon on board. And why am I not terrified? And also, why am I kind of into him? <laughs> yes. It's the cats and wharf agenda. Yes. We're yes. pushing. <laughs> like, I also think Kat and Riker could totally flirt, but I feel like she would join the senior officer's poker game, she would clean them out, and she would go home with Worf at the end of the night. You better be writing that. It's been in my head for years. I just I cannot get it onto the so page. so badly. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, okay. Mm. Speaking of Worf OTPs, though, I fully believe that he slept with Dr. Pulaski in season two. Oh my like, God. Because I can't remember which episode it is, but they are tremendously flirty. Liz, I think that Worf is also your fandom. <laughs> I mean, he would be horrified at the concept. He's so conservative. I think he may have been a virgin before Emissary. The Emissary, not Emiss, you know what I mean. He doesn't want to be the fandom bicycle, but he is at I least know. the fandom unicycle. I mean, I had a whole thing about Worf and Michael Burnham. Oh. Um, that similarly to the cat thing, it's like, I hate Klingons. And I definitely mm. don't want to be even friends. I don't want to be mm. on the same ship with this Klingon. But he has the same backstory. Yeah. And so they would come to this amazing agreement. Mm. And like, my idea was that obviously there's time travel involved. And so then they would become like, time traveling through the ages fixing things oh i love that. yeah based on their traumatic childhoods my klingon friend for michael is balana torres like if the red angel suit went wrong and she wound up on voyager mm. she'd be like again oh shit there's a klingon oh shit she's actually half human this is a whole different culture and i need to get over my problems and balana would be like please stop being racially bigoted at me, and then they'd be friends. <laughs> like, right. there may have to be some punching involved. But... but but Michael is capable of that level of adulthood and, right. and understanding. And her, her background as a xenoanthropologist actually, like, I had canon that that's why she's a xenoanthropologist yeah. is because she wants to understand why these other aliens do this like mm. what she wants to understand Klingons because they can't just be monsters right and I think meeting Bellana who wholeheartedly rejects her Klingon side the way Michael tried to reject her human side growing up I think they actually have a lot in common and right yeah it would be great yeah yeah but also in this scenario Michael has landed like in early-ish season two Voyager, maybe. And so by the time Seven comes on board, Janeway is like, you've come so far as a person, I want you to help mentor Seven. <laughs> also, you have no Borg-related trauma. Right, right. Maybe my final OT3 of this episode is Michael Bailana Seven. Oh my goodness. Mm. The possibilities. So many possibilities. I feel like Michael is close to being a fandom bicycle, but she also tends to go from committed relationship to committed relationship. Yeah. So it's hard to ship her willy-nilly. Yes. That's, yes. But she was raised by Vulcans, which means she probably understands logical polyamory. Mm -hmm. See? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Thank you for listening to Antimatter Pod. You can find our show notes at antimatterpod.com, including links to our social media, credits for our theme music, and transcripts of our episodes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, and Instagram, all at antimatterpod. And now on Mastodon, because Twitter is a mess. It's hard to convey Mastodon URLs, but I think we, okay, I know we are antimatterpod, all one word, on tenforward.social. And thanks for the team at tenforward.social for being incredibly welcoming. You can write to us at mail at antimatterpod.com. And if you like us, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you consume your podcasts. The more reviews, the easier it is for new listeners to find us. And tell your friends or tweet about us on not Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) And join us in two weeks when we will be discussing the Star Trek The Next Generation Season 1 episode, Data Lore. Because the arsenal of freedom was so good, how could we not do more season one? <laughs> <laughs>